Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models. Today, I have Dane Halo on the line. Say hello. Hello, hello. I'm so happy that you were able to do this with me. Where are you at right now? I am currently in South San Francisco in my new apartment with my partner. Yeah, just working on my visa. So yeah, trying to make all that happen. So I'm really just glad that we were able to eke out a little bit of time to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I love San Francisco. You should go there again. Yeah, please do. Please come visit. (laughs) I want to. It's been a long time. It's been, I think, almost three years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you've always got a place with us, you know. Thank you. <laughs> and you're from Canada, correct? I am. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on my work visa right now so that I can move here and live and work legally. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's awesome. What part of Canada? So I was born and raised just outside of Toronto, but I've lived kind of all over the country in short form most of the time. I lived for about, what, nine years on the West Coast, Vancouver, Victoria area. But yeah, moved back to Toronto and bought a house and then everything around that fell apart four years later. And now I'm here. (laughs) So yeah. Oh my gosh. For any listeners, I just want to like air out here that where I live, the Blue Angels happen to be practicing above our heads right now. So if you hear that background noise, I'm going to try to reduce that a bit in post, but that's what we're living with today. (laughs) For what it's worth, I can't really hear it. So at least there's that. Okay, that's good to know. For the, the purpose of our listeners, would you mind telling a brief history of your modeling career, like how you got into it? and why and how it's progressed to where you are today? Sure, absolutely. So I began modeling as a toddler, actually. My mother got both my sister and I into modeling when we were wee little babies. And I continued with agency representation until about high school. And at that point, I quit to focus on my studies because I went to a fine arts school that required a lot of attention. Then I went to college um, and decided to kind of pick it back up, but I was a little curvier than the average model in an agency was at that age. So I just actually ended up working with a painter and named Dan Anaka. And to this day, I still credit him with getting me started in modeling again. And he kind of suggested during our fine art session that I could do this as a living. So I, was like, no, like, you think so? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And then ever since I've just been earning all of my income for the most part through modeling. So that's been 15 years full-time modeling. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really started off kind of in the fine art world, doing mostly posing for life drawing classes and sculptors and all of that. But in the past about seven years, I've been doing a little bit more of like the glamour stuff alongside. So it's been a, a bit of a wild ride. So your parents got you started when you were toddlers. That's, is that like for advertisements and stuff like baby food? Yeah, I was in Sears catalog. I, did you guys have Sears down in the States? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was in like the Sears catalog and like ads for like Zellers and that sort of thing, which is sort of like uh, the US Target. So I was doing like commercials and stuff as well. I was in the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of wild, but 
but yeah, I, I was excited to kind of forge my own path and uh, do all of my own admin work when I was, you know, a young adult wanting a little more autonomy. Awesome. So then have you ever had other jobs besides modeling? So just because, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, modeling can be a really lonely um, career. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that we're always working with people, we're spending a great deal of our time, especially our downtime um, in admin and just kind of sitting alone, whether it be at home or a coffee shop when you're on the road. So I have picked up the odd job just to kind of keep me social and give me some sort of like a community in person. So I've worked at like actually mostly liquor stores. <laughs> yeah, I I just figured that's a pretty like a nice social laid back kind of job to pick up. So um, I've worked in a couple of liquor stores. And oh, what else have I done? Oh, gosh, like, I worked detailing yachts for a while. And then I went to school through COVID <laughs> to learn how to be a construction worker. <laughs> so now I have all my heavy machinery operation licenses. So, um, just cause why not, you know, good to have a AI, um, safe job, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's true. AI couldn't do that unless you had robots become the construction workers, which, oh, uh, <laughs> they've got, so they actually do have giant 3d printers basically that work with concrete now, Whoa. which is going to be great for like housing, but you know, just to have entire buildings made out of concrete also sounds like there would be challenges involved with that. So I don't know. It's just an interesting period of time in history for us, I think. Yeah, it is. Pretty weary times with people and who's going to be replaced and who's not. Yeah. Actually, I'm curious, have you have you picked up any such kind of like side jobs to keep you feeling a little bit more like a community driven thing? Well, I do this podcast. It doesn't make me any money, but <laughs> it is a community thing. Yeah. So it, I get to have um, long phone calls with my peers on a frequent basis. So I like it for that. And then the response that I get back from other people that have listened to it, I enjoy. It makes me feel like I'm part of something. So so that's what I've got going for me in that arena. Other, otherwise, I am my priority of income comes from modeling at photo shoots and Patreon and OnlyFans still. And I occasionally I'm like, oh, I'm going to start a new business. And I get this idea and I work really hard at it. And then it's like, it just doing that, I think is my obsession, but like actually rolling it out and like having it be part of my lifestyle doesn't seem to be something that works out. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you on that. So if you don't mind me, and I know, I'm sorry, I know you're interviewing me, but I'm so curious. Yeah, no, ask. <laughs> Do you think or know that you have like ADD or is this more just kind of like an obsessive, like kind of venture into trying to make money for like setting us up for a future, like where modeling maybe isn't the forefront? I think that in the back of my mind, I have this idea that's been placed there by other people that I can't model forever even though I do see models who are like in their fifties and sixties. So I'm like, Oh, I have to like get the ball rolling on something. And then I'll initiate something. And I'm like, this is great. This is going to, you know, be my next side gig and it'll grow and grow. And I'll start it. And like, I started a life coaching business and I took all these online courses and I started creating my own course. 
And then I started marketing it. But I think the problem was the reason I was doing it was to get away from modeling full time. And then modeling and creativity honestly is currently my creative passion. And I, I think that the life coaching wasn't creative enough even I, I never even had a client but like I, the, the purpose of me doing it didn't have a creative undertone and right. so it didn't take off for me like energetically and I wasn't doing it from a place of something genuine so f- but from that experience of like taking those classes which is always positive taking classes is good keeps your mind sharp taking those classes and then making those videos and like you know, planning a new social plan for like different social media accounts and a marketing plan, doing all that. And then in the end, finding out that it was all coming from a place that wasn't like in my heart. Right. I think that going forward, if I am going to do a new business venture, I have to be driven to do it. I can't just be doing it because, oh, this is a good idea for money. Yeah. I actually really like how you put all of that because even when you're curious about something or you have the education behind something and kind of like the mental drive, finding the way to connect it to a creativity that also drives you forward can be really, really tough. So yeah, I'm, I'm you know, excited for you that you have this education that I'm sure you can apply to your own life and to help people around you, but maybe not make it into a career at this time. So good for you. Education is always good. Thank you. We had a couple of topics that we talked about in advance that we'd like to get into. And I'd like to open up the first one of those two right now, if you don't mind. We want to talk about Photoshop editing. How much is too much? And I'd like to hear your take on that. Yeah, I would love to talk about it. So going back to high school, when I was in that fine arts program, we learned everything from like sculpting, drawing, photography, and that included photo editing. So I've been doing a little bit of photo editing on the side ever since high school and have kind of kept up on the Photoshop and seen how much those tools have progressed over time and how much easier it is now to fine tune photo editing. So I love this topic and think it's such a important part of the photo shoot process because having the raw image that can be turned into anything there's just so much creativity to be had after the photo shoot. And I think when you have two or more artists on an image, even though we often sign away our rights to inspect the final image, we are putting so much of ourselves into this photo shoot, not like just far beyond just being a physical personification of emotion or something in the image. I think it really should be a discussion between the photographer and model as to kind of what is expected from the editing. Now, stuff like under eye bags, like I think most of us are probably going to be okay with having some gentle editing on, or do we want them removed completely, right? I mean, you have phenomenal skin. I've, I've spent time around you in person. I'm like, she is Photoshopped in person, like just great skin. <laughs> but for a lot of us, and especially like for clients, if it's not just models, discussing whether we want, you know, that mole or scar or tattoo or cellulite or stretch marks, having that discussion and seeing where everyone sits on having these things removed or edited 
is so important. Yeah. Interestingly, I, I have like some feedback about this because over the course of my long modeling career, uh, by the time I was about 28 years old, so 10 years into my modeling, I finally decided I'm not going to argue with photographers and try to convince them to Photoshop out my tiger stripes because it's an extra effort. It's something, tiger stripes for people listening that aren't aware, stretch marks, like the lines that look like lightning bolts on your skin. So I have them very defined on my hips just from puberty. And I always wanted them Photoshopped out because I thought they were perceived as flaws. And it seemed that most photographers would want I mean, not most, but like a lot of photographers that I worked with seem to edit skin to make it all look smooth. So I was always requesting, you know, make sure you take those out, make sure you take those out. I don't want, you know, people to see my flaws because I'm a model. I'm supposed to be perfect, right? Finally, at 28, I was like, screw this. I'm just going to show them because I got really annoyed with getting photos back if they didn't like edit them out all the way and then wanting to post them, but then worrying about, oh, they're going to see my stretch marks. And I was finally like, okay, show them. And now when people ask me about editing preferences, especially if I'm going into a TFP, like a trade for photo situation where I want to be able to use the photos because that's the point of the shoot is to be using them. I always ask, please edit these or please don't edit these out because I want to share them now. And a few people that I've done TFP with have given me some strong pushback because they're like, oh, this is part of my editing process. Like I always remove flaws and blemishes and scars. And I'm like, but I don't want these ones removed. So I'm going against the grain in that sense by requesting them to remain. Yeah. And you know what? I honor the hell out of that. Because we're human and humans are imperfect beings. There is, there is not a single person on the planet that's perfect. And I think that although I do sometimes edit pretty strongly, I work uh, with a lot of clients who do boudoir work and that's kind of their gem is like kind of this like goddess figure is kind of what they're going for. I think this, it's so beautiful to celebrate our humanity, which is imperfection. So yeah, I think, I think it's great. I've kind of watched your progression from wanting to have these things edited out to being more comfortable with them or at least more accepting of them. And uh, when did this begin? Like five or six years ago or more? Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm 36 now and I was 28 when I finally decided that I just wanted. So it's been about okay. eight years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I remember kind of seeing you, I think it might have been just a post that you said, you know what, I'm making a change in how I want my tiger stripes to be perceived. And I was like, so proud of you for that, because it's, it's a really cool change to make where you're you're more accepting of any perceived flaws. So that's awesome. Good for you. Thanks. Yeah. And let's be honest. So going back to the topic just of, uh, you know, having photographers, having expectations that photographers would edit things out. We also get back some images that are edited poorly, like, yeah. you know, so, <laughs> so I think, I think sometimes it's just easier to be like, you know what, I think I'm okay with my skin looking the way it is before we take just like the Gaussian blur to it. Let's just leave it alone. <laughs> That's probably better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm just so glad that the tools 
uh, are ready now are so much more advanced than, do you remember Portrait Pro? Yes, I've had, I didn't know about Portrait Pro before I saw like photos of me where Portrait Pro was used to botch my face. And I, I had a psychological issue with that because I was like, I got the photos back, but the structure of my face was changed. And I was like, that's me, but that's not me. And I, I was like, then I later on learned about Portrait Pro and I was like, oh, that's what they did. <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know, Portrait Pro has basically, it can tell where your nose is. And then there's a slider for making it wider or thinner, or like longer or shorter. Uh, it can, you know, make your eyes bigger and your lips bigger and, and change the color of your lips in like a couple of clicks. But it's not in a good way, though. It's in a very manufactured, like robot-y way. And it's real unattractive, typically. I have seen it used gently, <laughs> but not often. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Um, but I guess it's one way to edit photos. Yeah. And when you're looking at your own face, when it's been like distorted like that, your lips are bigger, your eyes are bigger, your, your cheekbones are higher. You're like, it, it does kind of mess with your head. <laughs> yeah. It's like the face tune before face tune. Yes. Yeah. And, and we all know what that does to people on social media. When you look at kind of like, you know, quote unquote, perfect faces where, you know, someone decided that X, Y, and Z about your face wasn't good enough. So let's just change that a little. And now you're looking at yourself going, yeah, that's me, but it's not me. Like you said, it's, it messes with you for sure. Yeah. Especially I already like my face and I assume that photographers that are, oh, there goes the blue angels again. I assume that photographers that are hiring me also like the way I look. So why turn my face into somebody else's face. It's offensive. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely agreed. There was a photographer I did work with many years ago and I can still, you know, I've done something like 5,000 photo shoots. It's pretty rare that I can recall images with such fine detail as this image because it has just, it psychologically affected me. It was a photo of me from the side and anyone who's seen photos of me knows that I have like hips. I have a pretty hourglassy, curvy shaped body. My butt in this photo, Christy, you have a you have a beautiful like athletic body. My butt looked like your butt. We have very differently shaped and sized butts. And it's just kind of stuck with me just being like, okay, but that's you took away like half of my body weight in this image and now I feel weird about the actual shape of my body. So, you know, using using all of the tools at one's disposal should definitely be done like gently, like gentle changes. When I'm teaching Photoshop, one of the things I really like to kind of drive home is if we're talking about using the liquify tool, which is kind of the the tool that everyone uses to make themselves like change the shape of their body. If someone's using that to kind of fix where there's like muffin top, we'll call it, be gentle with that. And wh whatever you bring in, also where it's tight, bring out. Try and kind of meet in the middle so that you're not adding or subtracting any weight. You're just kind of relaxing a place where there's like a bump. Do you know yeah, what I, mean? I fully agree. Yes, with the liquify tool, I also agree. I know that 
some people who are like clients of photographers, like you were mentioning before, expect to be looking skinnier in the post-production, but it all comes down to communication, I suppose. So when the, the question of like how much is too much, it's like, it really depends on the purpose of the photos and how the person being photographed wants to be portrayed. But there still are like, I think basic things when it comes to like not changing the person in the photo completely or completely eliminating their skin texture or I don't know. Of course, there's always like artistic reasons to like completely change the way a photo looks altogether and stuff. But yeah, but in general, I think I think celebrating how a person looks is kind of the point of a photo. Yes. And a photographer told me once that when they're editing, I mean, I think multiple people have told me this, they say, I'll edit out anything that they have decided distracts from your beauty, which I suppose can be taken with a grain of salt because a freckle could be considered distracting from your beauty. Yeah. But what if you want that freckle or like stretch marks? They could be considered to be distracting from my beauty. Or from the lines of my body, I suppose, because they're a horizontal line and the rest of my body is going lengthwise. So in, in an artistic sense, in some situations, they might be distracting to the photo. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think the discussion just needs to be had where what is beauty and whose beauty is more important. Like, is it your opinion of your own beauty that's more important because you're the person living in that skin? Or is it the viewers and now they're seeing something that is not fake. Fake isn't the right word, but that doesn't actually exist because none of us have, you know, perfect skin. Uh, but for instance, like with me, I have a, I have a beauty mark on my cheek and it's pretty pronounced. And throughout my career, people have removed it like time and time again. And I kind of, I actually have it in my agreement now that it has to stay because it's part of my face. And when I see photos of myself without it, I'm like, that person looks familiar. It's so weird. I just don't, I actually do not recognize myself without that beauty mark. Oh, that's really interesting. So do people ask you sometimes if they, if you want to keep it in? I have a lot of people ask because I am covered in freckles and beauty marks and moles. People ask me all the time, like, how do you feel about them? And I'm like, I like them, but you're free to like remove ones that distract or all of them if you want to spend six hours removing tiny little dots on my skin. But I'm not attached to any of them besides someone on my cheek in an emotional sense. So I'm I'm happy to kind of work with editors and photographers on kind of that topic for myself. But I like them. I like them. They 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 are part of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that there there seems to be still generally like this idea that people assume that everybody wants to learn, look a certain way based on, you know, magazines at the checkout stand, right? <laughs> right. Which we all as a collective have agreed don't actually exist. They don't represent anyone. So it's funny how we still have that in the back of our minds that like, that's what we're seeking. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I, uh, humans are weird. Human, humans I, I, are weird. <laughs> <laughs> I have another question that I want to ask you. I think that we went over that topic really well. So this next topic I call the photo shoot fail of the week. Okay. Can you describe a photo shoot scenario where 
it was crazy either because the situation surrounding the shoot was crazy, photographer themselves were crazy, or, or anything that was just kind of wild. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I have so many of these stories, but I think the one that kind of stands out to me is maybe one of the saddest moments of my life. Not saddest moments of my life, saddest moments of my career, certainly. Now, the photographer involved in this was basically like family to me. And so if he hears this, I'm sorry that I'm outing it. I'm not going to say your name. But (laughs) we went to Iceland a number of years ago, and it was our first time for either of us being there. And we had spoken about doing this for years and uh, finally made it happen. I pick him up from the airport and I could tell that he was in like a bad mood. And I was like, okay, we'll just make the best of it. You know, we're close enough that I can just tell him he's being an idiot and we'll both laugh. But we get into our our camper van and we drive for three days around the west coast of Iceland. And he pulls out a camera at this kind of nondescript waterfall, like nothing special waterfall. And he dropped it. And he did not have a backup. And so it kind of ground something in the computer. So it was stuck on one mode. But this amazing photographer that I absolutely loved, I guess, wasn't paying attention to the fact that everything was bracketed. And for those who don't know what bracketing is, it's basically compiling the brightest parts and the darkest parts into one image. So it takes three photos in quick succession and then, you know, puts them all into one image. The problem is when you're doing that in a really windy place, everything looks blurry. Oh, no. So for every photo for the rest of the trip, the camera was kind of on the fritz, but everything was bracketed and every image is blurry, which breaks my heart because Iceland is such a gorgeous spot. But more than that, we ended up in these uh, northern fjords where I don't remember exactly how high these cliffs were. But if I say 400 feet, that also is not outside the realm of reality. So I believe it was around 400 feet tall cliffs. And there's these puffins flying around and like they, they make their nests on these cliffs. And so there's these like puffins dive bombing and I step out onto this two by two piece of like land that's attached to the side of this cliff and the photographer I was like you know I'm I I could very well die like make sure you get a great photo and he's like for sure I'm making this stupid stupid decision on my own I undress step out onto this piece of land with the wind blowing and these birds darting around my head And when I finally dressed and got back onto land, I looked at his camera and he had taken a headshot of me. (gasps) What? I could have been standing in a a goddamn meadow, but no, I was standing on a cliff and he got a headshot of me. Oh my God, dude. If I had died for a headshot, my God, (laughs) I would have haunted him forever. Oh my God, dude. (laughs) Isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah. Um, Note to photographers, if the model's doing something really dangerous and the entire spectacle is exciting, capture the entire spectacle. Yeah, you can crop later. (laughs) You can crop later. And then, I'm sure this is, if if you guys went on this trip together, I'm sure he's a great guy and then, you know, no hard feelings, but you got, you, 
you can't lie. Like the whole situation, there are some like moments where I can feel your pain where I'm like, oh man, you know, like mm-hmm. what a long trip for the camera to break. And then for these like little moments that you were really hoping were going to work out, like didn't work out. Yeah. And to not like, if you go on a trip like that, a trip of a lifetime, have a backup camera, bring two cameras. You never know, especially in a place like Iceland, you might drop your camera into water, drop it onto rock like he did, you know, just have a backup camera. Yeah. <laughs> so we were there for two weeks and three days in, um, we had issues with it and there was no camera store on the Island anywhere near oh. where we were. So we just went with it, but we honestly, we haven't spoken in years after that because it was, it just tried our relationship so much and he was oh. family. So it really sucks. That sucks. Yeah, don't ruin your your relationships with with you know the more beloved creatives. Yeah, doing something kind of stu- like stupid <laughs> like that. So that's a um, bummer. It is a bummer, but yeah. Okay, so I'll tell one more story if that's okay. okay. Do you know when I say the name Bohemian Grove, does that mean anything to you? No, sorry. Okay, so <laughs> Bohemian Grove listeners want to Google this is a secret, it's a, you know, quote unquote, secret society of the most powerful men in the world. They all get together in the Redwoods, sort of out towards Napa Valley, like just north of where I am right now. And they have like summer camp. I think it's a week every August. And I was recruited to be part of the human sacrifice or the, you know, apparently mock human sacrifice. Okay. So these, this photographer, okay, so I hesitate to actually call him a photographer, but we'll go with it. He recruited me for a body painting session, sent me images that were stolen off the internet from a famous body painter. And this is a reminder, models, check references, (laughs) use tin eye, make sure you're doing like a reverse image search to make sure you're actually talking to the right person. Yes. And he picked me up from a mall. We drove like a couple of hours north of Toronto to this little town in the middle of like January in a blizzard. And this town is like kind of a summertime village. So there was nobody around for miles and miles. And I never saw body paints. I never saw a camera. I was there for one night and like my entire soul was yelling, just be nice, just be nice and like go along with it. And they wanted to play like, like a a card game, basically. And there was like, they offered like whiskey. And I was like, okay, you know, I have to be nice. I have to play by the rules. But I'm really good at this one card game that they didn't know. So I got them drunk and was like, good, like, they're gonna go to bed in the morning, I'll be able to leave safely. And then I woke up in the middle of the night. And one of the guys was sitting in an armchair in my room. (gasps) And So I sat up and yelled the name of the other guy as he was trying to get into bed with me. And then he (gasps) left and I locked the door. And I was sure I had locked the door before going to bed because they made me so uncomfortable through the afternoon and evening. Whoa. Um, Yeah, right? Like my, just my intuition was like screaming in my head. So I woke up in the morning and they had gone. They had taken everything. There was no food. There was no water. It was like January. There was five feet, four feet of snow outside and no tire tracks in the entire community for miles. So there was no reception. 
we were too far from the highway for me to like walk to get help. Nobody knew where I was. And I honestly thought I was going to die. My God. Yeah. So eventually they came back. They basically grabbed my bag and said, okay, get in the car. And I was like, okay. You know, still making small talk. And the two of them were just like super tense. They ended up driving me back to the mall, threw $300 at the window and like squealed the tires taking off. What? Fast forward a couple years. And I don't know why I never deleted him off of Facebook, but his name popped up with a little green indicator that he was online. And I was like, what was that? He was like, I can't talk about it. And I was like, no, I deserve to know what the hell that was. Like we never did anything that was planned. And he was like, weaving spiders come not here or weaving spiders come not near. I Googled it. And that is like the motto for this, this Bohemian Grove summer camp for presidents and like shakes and people from all around the world. Basically the weaving spiders are journalists and business. Like we're not meant to be doing business here and it's a secret what goes on. So I was like, okay, so Bohemian Grove. And he goes, yeah, every year they recruit like beautiful young women to be, to participate in this mock human sacrifice where you go up on stage in front of a 40 foot like concrete owl at the base of an amphitheater where the like families of these presidents will sit and watch these hooded figures come out with torches and mock human sacrifice people. So they mock humans? Right. Mock human. Okay. If George, okay. If George W. Bush wants to sacrifice a person, who's going to say no, right? Like who's going to like do something about that? So it, it was, do you think he was calling it mock just to cover his ass in case you screenshotted something? Or? I have no idea. I have no idea. Because if it really was mock, then it wouldn't be that big of a deal, right? Oh, we're going to just do this right. little like play scenario and you're going to be the actress in it, right? Right. Totally. Yeah, that would be, that would be fine. But why did you have to essentially kidnap me for a night to figure out whether I would be a worthwhile actress for a mock human sacrifice. Right. Yeah. That's extremely sketchy. Yeah. So I was like, so what, so what happened? Like, why, why was I not chosen? And he was like, you were too nice. Well, I I guess that's where being nice really worked out for you. Yeah. (laughs) So it's so funny. I have, I have no words. It's the weirdest thing I have ever experienced. Um, and really drives home the need for us to like do our due diligence when we're going into the wilderness with people. Oh my God. Yeah. So did you find this guy on Craigslist? Like what? So he found me on Model Mayhem back in the day, but he was using these stolen images of this incredibly ornate, uh, almost wallpaper, like, like, uh, what is it called? Like body painting. Okay. He had stolen these images from like a, a world famous body painter and pass them off as his own. Oh, wow. That's why I'm like, we have to do our reverse image searches when we get images that are like, just so beautiful, so different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Damn, that's maybe one of the most bizarre stories I've heard on the show. (laughs) It's so strange. I don't get it. Wow. Well, I'm glad they spared you. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. Whoa. 
Well, I don't really know how to like uh, smoothly segue from that story to another story. So I'm just going to do like a really rough transition here. (laughs) We had talked about another topic that I want to go into with you because I think it's really interesting. You mentioned it'd be interesting to talk about how experiences and modeling have changed our perception of other things in life. And I'd like to hear an example from your perspective. Yeah. So I guess before modeling, I had never felt especially like sexy or even necessarily attractive. I knew that modeling could also encapsulate interesting faces. And that's where I kind of saw myself before, before I'd really grown into my face, I guess, and my body. But I think my relationship with myself and my mental space has changed so much thanks to modeling and just accepting flaws and imperfections that I perceive has changed so much in the years that I've been doing this. Like even just looking at my perception of self 15 years ago versus today, it's so different. But also when it comes to like my relationship with sexuality and sensuality through my career, you know, seven years ago, I had a a life altering surgery and it changed my career in a pretty big way. I have scoliosis and it's pretty minor, but it's been, it's been affecting me a lot in the past, you know, probably decade in total. And just seeing how different my career is when, you know, if I was working at a desk job, it would be really different. I, I don't know how to really describe it, but, and then kind of going into like my relationship with others I don't know. When I first was getting into modeling, especially art nudes, I knew there was a possibility that even photos that are kind of snuck, that are showing too much, because I don't shoot anything erotic or show like spreads. Mm -hmm. If someone is sneaking that image, they could release that and have that, you know, technically it could be shown in like Times Square in New York. I need to be comfortable with the fact that that could happen. And that, you know, grandma could see it and my future boss could see it and my future lover and their parents could see it, you know? Yeah. And after all these years, I still hear these like horrific stories about models having these images released or celebrities having these images released against their will, the whole revenge porn thing. Yeah. Right? And so my my relationship with like people, just the general public has changed because- now I kind of have to consider whether or not I want them to know me as my nude self or as my the rest of my humanity self and show them my Instagram if they ask for it. It's yeah. very different. How do you feel about that? I've kind of gone through a range of that because I am actually using my real name as my modeling like my, well, my legal name is Christine. Okay. I've always gone by Christy and my real middle name is also Jessica. And that's my modeling name is Christy Jessica. But when I first started, I had some bad experiences with photographers in the beginning, shooting nudes and then like coercing me into stuff I wasn't comfortable with. And, and then at first I was like, okay, well, I only want to shoot nudes with people who I trust from now on. And so then I made two Model Mayhem pages. One of them was for including nudes, and the other one was my, what do you call it, the decoy page, where if my mom wanted to know what was going on with my modeling, I could show her my decoy Model Mayhem account. 
And the decoy one at the time was called Christy. And then the nude one was pure rebel. <laughs> right, right, right. That's how that got started. So I was, for the first few years of modeling nude, I had those two. And eventually photographers that I was telling no to nudes for were, would find my other account easily and be like, oh, well, you did nudes with these people. And o- over time, I was like, all right, by the time I was 24, everybody like in the freelance modeling world already knew that I was doing nudes all over the place. I was also doing erotic nudes and I had done like a bunch of fetish work and stuff. And so I just put nudes on both pages, but I didn't tell my parents about my nude modeling until I was 26. And so now everybody in my life knows about my nude modeling and it's just people who are outside of my life, just like you mentioned, that I'm like, oh, if I tell them that I'm a model, like if they ask me what I do and I say I'm a model, I'm five foot two. So it's obvious that I'm not like a fashion model. Sure. <laughs> so so then they're, oh, what kind of photos? And then if I do show them, then they, they have the, you know, the ability to like Google more photos later. And I know what they're going to find. They're going to find the kajillion shitty photos that were shot of me in nudes a pop-in that are you know, whatever, like, it's true. <laughs> they're all at the top of the Google search. <laughs> but you know, but I know that you curate that really well, like you are an SEO master. So at least, yeah, kind of I, I have, that. I have worked on that quite a bit in the past. And so if you Google just my name, then like really nice photos pop up at the top of the Google search. But if you Google like Christy Jessica porn or like Christy Jessica nude, then you'll find stuff that's then you're obviously looking for that. I suppose you're looking for not, not that I'm doing like porn. Right. I mean, like it depends on what your definition of porn is because a a lot of the stuff I've done arguably could be defined as porn. Sure. Whatever. But if you're looking for it, you're going to find it, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So that's my thing is that if you're looking for nude photos of me, I've been doing this at this time for exactly half of my life. I'm 36 now. And I started when I was 18 if you find that of me because you're looking for it, then, you know, you were looking for it and you found it. I, and I, I'm not like, I'm not worried about future employers because I'm dedicated to staying freelance. Yeah. So yeah. it's only, I, I haven't been in a situation where I was being publicly mocked for like nude photos. The only, only people that had not mocked me, I suppose, were like ex-boyfriends that were like sure. jealous or whatever. So oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think it's amazing that you are so dedicated to the freelancing world. I share that dedication. I don't want to work for anyone else. So I'm not worried about bosses. And I guess actually until about actually a year ago, I began dating someone who's kind of in the public sphere. He's a musician and I'm pretty sure this is it. You, you've met him. We uh, traveled to Hawaii together. He's so nice. He's lovely. His name is Brent and he has all of these people in his world that I think could potentially judge us and him based on my art. And so that's been the first time I've had to be kind of a little more cautious about to whom I share my Instagram. And I could musicians though, like, right. Yeah, musicians, but also he's he's kind of involved in some more like startups and charity work oh, okay. as well. So I have oh. to be a little bit more cautious. And I've never, I never expected that I would be working kind of in that sphere 
where I wouldn't be the person in control. I didn't think that my, you know, my partnerships would have me working in that world, I guess. So it's been kind of an interesting thing to navigate together and we're doing a good job, but yeah, it's something certainly to consider that I, I hadn't before. Yeah, like he could potentially be shunned if he, one of his like colleagues was like religious or conservative or something like that and right. didn't like nudity. Like, oh, well, I mean, to me, it seems, I guess I'm so deep inside the forest that I don't see the trees and I don't really realize how offended some people are by wow. nipples because I'm just in this world, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And on top of that, like usually the shame that other people carry or project onto me, that's not my shame. You know, I don't see the work that I'm creating or the work that you're creating as anything besides like normal human beauty. And for someone else to be like, oh, you know, I perceive this as porn. Well, that's your issue. You know, I don't need to carry that same suitcase. Like that's yours to, to deal with. So at this point, it's more just, I don't want to be negatively impacting the people around me that I, I guess I hadn't really considered. Yeah. It's weird. But I mean, if, if you're like taboo to any like conservative sense, like what, what if you were like trans or something like that, then would you similarly be potentially getting your partner shunned also? Like, that's true. I think, I, I guess the difference is that I've, I chose this life for myself And if I were trans or, you know, I mean, I'm an openly bisexual woman. I guess if somebody was shunning me because I was bi, I would also tell them, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. I didn't choose that for myself. And and that also is your, your luggage to unpack. But yeah, I I guess it's just been a, it's been an interesting ride the past little while. (laughs) Yeah, that is interesting. You want to make sure that the people that are close to you aren't going to be potentially negatively affected by your career path, which, you know, I I met him. He's super great. Like he's all in, you know, like very accepting and nice and stuff. So like, but it's just other people that are judgmental. Yeah. And like, he's had to work on, on feelings of jealousy as well, which I think most of our partners have, you know, moments where they have to kind of sit with the impact of us doing what we do. Yeah. I mean, as a, he's a musician, as I said, so I know that there are moments when I'm going to have feelings of, of envy and jealousy as well. Yeah. But that's just the way it is to be with attractive people that have people around them or like time spent elsewhere where you can't be involved. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My boyfriend's a musician too. And so we, we, we relate on that level, which is, is really helpful actually. Yeah. Definitely. Some other things that modeling has over time changed my perception or interaction with the world on. I mean, there's so many. There's actually a lot that that I thought of when you brought that topic up when we were chatting in advance. But one of them is Halloween. Oh. <laughs> Halloween, because we we we're all these different characters for our life, right? We're our job is to dress up and look cute and sexy or pretty or beautiful and put on these personas. And then when Halloween comes around, 
all everybody you know that is going to celebrate Halloween dresses up, and a lot of the you know people who want to be sexy use it as an opportunity to dress sexy right. and you know show more skin, and that's like what I do for a living. Yeah. So I'm no longer interested in like dressing up for Halloween, and may, I might be weird on that. I think a, a lot of it for me is also tied into the fact that I quit drinking 11 years ago. Mm. So those two things go together. I'm not motivated to dress up for Halloween because I'm modeling and I kind of try to avoid the parties. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough for sure. That's really, that's very interesting about Halloween though. Halloween is my favorite day of the year, but the past few years I haven't really participated. I wonder if it has something to do with that. I had never sat with that concept before. That's really curious. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And, and another one is lingerie in general. Oh, yeah. At the very beginning of my modeling career, the first photographer that I was setting up a photo shoot with told me to go buy some lingerie. And I never had any before. I just turned 18, right? Mm -hmm. So the very first photo shoot I had, I had to buy lingerie. And ever since, all of the lingerie I've ever bought has been for the purpose of photo shoots. So I have, in my mind, it's like my work uniform. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I've sat with that a lot because my sexual life never involves lingerie. Like, yeah, I would feel awkward going and putting it on and then coming out of the bedroom because I'm like you. When I put that on, I feel like I'm at work. It's this is now my uniform. Oh, my God. I wouldn't know how to how to be sexy and take it off. I would probably laugh myself like I couldn't take myself seriously. I'm having a miniature flashback about this right now because, and I, I hate to bring him up again, but like my ex-boyfriend mm -hmm. would tell me, he would tell me that to dress up in lingerie. And by this point I'd been modeling for like, you know, 12 to 15 years. And so I was like, oh, I just wear this for shoots. Like, I don't want you to mess it up. Right. right? Yeah. And so I put it on and he'd be like, oh, seduce me, you know, like seduce me. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm moving around trying to look pretty. And he's like, you're posing, you're posing. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, well, no. I know this looks good. So what the <laughs> fuck? And it gave me this mental problem where I was like, do I know how to be seductive? Do I not know how to? Or is it that like his way of seduction is not my way of seduction because I'm quote unquote ruined or desensitized by modeling? Yeah. Yeah. That's really hard to sit with for sure. Like <laughs> what a, what a concept, hey? <laughs> that that the lingerie we put on for work has such a different meaning in the bedroom. So yeah. I had I had an ex as well, and he <laughs> he routinely would buy me like lingerie, but it was always like sex shop lingerie, and which was fine. It was usually for like you know if we're on vacation to, together, we'll go into like a sex shop and we'll buy some of this like fun lingerie yeah. that I will never wear for a photo shoot. You know what I mean? And I would put it in the bag. And then I would basically put it in the back of like my dresser and never wear it just because I don't feel sexy in a sensual manner or like in an like active manner wearing lingerie. I just, I'm awkward. I don't know what to do once the lingerie is on. I yeah. know that the concept is to take it off. Well, especially, I mean, okay. Another thing with lingerie in particular is it, the purpose of it isn't actually for photo shoots. It's for actually seducing somebody. 
But then the garter thing, like you have to wear your panties on top of the garter. Otherwise, if you want to keep, you know, the garter on, you have to like unsnap all your stockings and then put them back on after you take the panties off. It's it's so counterintuitive. It really is. Yeah. I have. So it's funny that you bring that up because that's always like I really try to wear them properly with like the panties on exactly. top. Exactly. Yeah. It looks weird for that. It looks weird. Like. For uh, obviously, some lingerie is made more to be worn for photo shoots because of that. Like the garters will be fancier than the panties, so you put these like plain-looking underwear on top of these fancy garters, and it looks all strange. Yeah, I agree. I think I even have more. I have one more thing about how modeling has changed my perception of other parts of real life. Mm. And this one, this one, I go yeah. back and forth on, but. It might just be like the the type of photographers that hire me, I know are also the type of photographers that hire a large majority of us traveling freelance models. And a lot of them are, they, they're in unhappy marriages, they're divorcing, they're recently divorced, or they've never been married and they're upset that they've never been married or and they're super lonely. And so they're hiring models. They're hiring models either to make their wife jealous, make their ex-wife jealous, or to keep a secret from their wife and feel like they're doing something naughty because their wife thinks that they're at a work meeting or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know what percentage approximately of shoots that are like that are for you, but when I was touring actively, I felt like it was at least 50%. Oh, man. I have no idea. I'm really glad actually that photographers don't tell me that because it would make me very uncomfortable because I live my life so authentically. I find that anyone who's lying typically just it it doesn't center with with me and like my consciousness. So, oh my god, 50%, 50% either are in think, hey? either recently divorced and they're doing this because their ex-wife wouldn't have let them do it before. They're lonely and they're expressing how lonely they are mm. either because their wife died or they never got married and they're hiring models or they're hiding a secret from their wife. So, of all of those different photog- not 50% are lying to their wife, but 50% are either keeping the photo shoot a secret from their wife or they're lonely either because their wife died or they just or they got divorced or they've never been married and they're filling the void of their loneliness with the photo shoot or like they're in an unhappy marriage and they're doing the photo shoot in spite of their marriage. Yeah, I guess I, I could see that. I'm I'm just really glad that people don't typically tell me about it because I think that would make me feel very awkward. And not because and I mean I know that a lot of models and photographers kind of see our our art nude and glamour modeling as kind of a, a sex work, like a sex work adjacent job. And I completely agree with that kind of perception because we, despite the fact that, you know, most of us, like the vast majority from what I can tell, we're not providing any kind of like touch or person to person sensuality. We are still providing companionship and we are beautiful young women, most of the time, who are, you know, sharing a sensuality through photos. So it is a a connection that these people wouldn't necessarily be making otherwise. But it does definitely get a little awkward when a photographer takes it too far, even if it's just a conversation about how we remind them of their deceased wife, which has been told to me a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. That makes you feel awkward. It is awkward. (laughs) Like, 
it's so awkward. Like, I don't, I, I don't want that. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I can definitely share that sense of kind of, that's um, not something that most people will probably experience if they're not in this yeah. industry. So as far as um, it affecting my perception on the outside world, mm-hmm. it makes me feel like that sampling of, of like males that I've interacted with through photo shoots, like that percentage that is either lonely or in an unhappy relationship or a dishonest relationship, it makes me feel like that's a large percentage of the population. So I have a skewed perception of what it is to be, you know, in my 50s, 60s or 70s, is that what average life should be expected to be like? Yeah, that's a good point. I have thought about that a lot, actually. Kind of the same thing as how just I've had a lot of men in my DMs who are like, you know, you're so hot. I'm so interested in you. We should talk. We should meet up, blah, blah, blah. And then you go to their Instagram and it's all pictures of their family and their wife. And like their most recent story is them playing with, you know, their kids. And it's like, oh my God, how, how does anyone, but especially a woman, how does a woman look at that and not see their own future? Know, or have concerns that that could be their own future. You know, the people that they trust the most in the world yeah. could pull that kind of bullshit on them too. It, it just, really it seems so common sad. in what I have experienced as, you know, the model at a photo shoot where somebody's expressing those types of feelings. Yeah. yeah. It really is very, very common. I have one more question that I want to ask you before letting you go. It's called the rising phoenix era of your life. Can you describe something in your life, whether it's related to your modeling career or not, where you were faced with a challenge that you had to overcome? So I've been pretty blessed in my career because I was coming up in a time when there weren't a lot of models in Canada that were offering, you know, art nude work and certainly not a lot of redheads. So I kind of was in a stage of my own. But I think learning to step into my own power and not be someone who's kind of diminutive, that came later. And so I think that probably in the past five years, especially after that big, scary Bohemian Grove story that I told, I've learned to be more powerful in how I interact with people and not necessarily to be as nice as I used to. And it's not because I'm not a nice person. It's because I want to be perceived as someone of worth and someone of having my own autonomy and not, not being someone who can be, you know, beaten down by the word like fat or, or, you know, insults. I'm not going to let those sorts of things impact me like they used to. So I think my rising phoenix has just been learning to grapple with being both the soft and feminine and also the like the harder and maybe not as nice kind of masculine energies and finding a balance between those two. Really interesting. So I'm enjoying living in this world where I don't let people talk down to me anymore. You're like (laughs) claiming your power in the world. Exactly. Yeah, I'm standing in it and I'm claim I'm claiming that power for other models too. Being my height and my my structure physically, I find that a lot of people might treat me differently than they would maybe treat you just because of the height differential, uh, oh, differential, yeah. you know what I mean? So, 
where someone might see you as being kind of like like a, a sub. Yeah, I do have little girl syndrome because people literally talk down yeah. to me and assume that I'm stupid because I'm small. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's all kinds of messed up because you and a number of other models who are, you know, not as tall as I am are just absolute powerhouses. And yet I know that just from what I've I've seen of people talking down to you, they couldn't be more wrong. And so when people speak to me and have like a different energy around me than they do you, like I really try to push how like the way I was born does not affect how my brain works because we're the same. I just happen to have genetics that made my bones grow yeah, taller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I try to claim power for the entire industry where people might listen to me more just because I'm the same height as them or even taller. Yeah, I, I love that vibe. And I really got that sense when we were in Hawaii. P.S. for people listening, we went to Hawaii together on the group event with uh, Marie Brooks. She runs these group shoots in Hawaii and they're fantastic. They really are fantastic. It was a, it was a five-day trip and Dane and her beloved boyfriend toiled hard to make sure that we were fed the whole trip. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. You know what? I appreciate that call out. Yeah, we it was long days, long days, but it was a lot of fun and it was really nice getting to know you better as well. You are definitely someone that I've always kind of Aww. actually looked up to <laughs> in this industry because oh, you're one of the OGs you. and you've been you've been killing it for so long and you live kind of work within your career so genuinely. You don't really hide who you are. And I love that. Thank about you. you. That means a lot. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You're fabulous. So that was really cool. And yeah, Marie Brooks, another super hardworking. She, sure. she lives full time on the road. Anyway, your Rising Phoenix, it actually, a, a similar theme has been brought up with a lot of people that I've asked that question to. I think I've done like 26 or 27 episodes at this point. And similarly to that, being able to set boundaries is something that a lot of models have mentioned, you know, something that they didn't want to do younger in their career. They felt like they had to say yes to everything and, and please everybody and like be what other people wanted them to be. And then in their later in their careers, they've learned, fuck that. I just want to be who I am, set my own boundaries. And if somebody's not cool with it, they can just fuck off. Yeah, absolutely. That, it's so important to have boundaries. Yeah, even smaller ones. Like I said, with, you know, the beauty mark on my cheek, that's my boundary. You can't remove that because that's who it's part of who I am. That's part of how I'm recognized in images. All the way up to like, you can't take photos of X part of my body because that's not how I want to be perceived either. It's important. Yeah, right on. I think it's good. And if I feel like if I wasn't modeling, maybe other things in a different career would have led me to that point. Like, I don't know, if I worked at an office job, I was l working late hours and not getting a promotion, I probably would eventually get fed up with it and be like, fuck you, I'm, I deserve a promotion or I quit. I suppose that's the only like yeah. similar like thing I can imagine happening if I wasn't modeling. Like what are other jobs like dynamics like in that in that aspect? It's so true. And actually that brings up an interesting conversation that I know that we've kind of been participating in, in the modeling like chat groups lately is negotiating of rates yeah. and how we all as kind of a community are trying to set a boundary where people don't feel as comfortable 
demanding discounts from us because the economy sucks for everybody, but it definitely sucks for us. Like we don't have sick days. We don't have vacation days. We don't have health insurance, health insurance. Right. And all of like, whenever we're traveling and I know you have a different set of expenses because you're living on the road full time. Are you, and you're so in the van. We right? sold the van and we bought a fifth wheel. So a bigger RV. Right. And I spend three quarters of the year in the RV in about a quarter to a third of the year up here in Seattle. My boyfriend did get an apartment in Seattle and we go back and forth flying between Seattle and somewhere in the Southwest, wherever the RV is. So it is an expensive right. lifestyle. It is. And that gasoline is not cheap. It's not cheaper for you than it is everybody else. So if they're complaining about it for their 20 yeah. minute commute to work, imagine what it's costing you yeah. to stay on the road. So if somebody is working in tech and pulling in like multiple six figures, I don't think that they should be asking for discounts from us when we're spending maybe $700 on round trip flights to be in their town. Totally. Yeah. So I think that's a boundary that a lot of models really need to be thinking about. And also I think more education needs to be had by models who are starting out on how to do a cost of doing business and figuring out exactly what your expenses are and where your budget should be for flights and for food. And, you know, how are you going to keep your lights on at your apartment if you're away for a month or two? All of this needs to be factored in. And if it takes you 20 hours of emailing and promoting on all your different socials, like that should be factored into, you know, how much you're charging for your hourly rates. Yeah. I mean, I've done cost of doing business a few times over the years just to kind of see where I'm sitting. And more than once, I'm essentially making just above minimum wage. Yeah. How messed up is that? And how are we meant to be putting away savings? Like we want to retire one day too. Yeah. It's really difficult. So I, yeah, I, I really, I think there needs to be a boundary around what we're accepting as a community for negotiated uh, rates. Agreed. Yeah. I fully agree with that. Because if, if one of us is giving the kind of quality that we're known for, for half the rate, then that reflects on all of us. Well, this model did it for this rate. Cool. Hire that person again. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. expect it from all of us. We can't do that. Yeah, maybe seriously. They're maybe they're, I mean, maybe they have the day off. Everybody's got reasons for like, you know, getting negotiated with, I suppose. Either yeah. they like didn't want to fight and they just wanted the booking. And, you know, my, my method earlier in my career was, okay, I'll give a discount because I want a volume of shoots and mm. I'm still getting income even if I get a discount. Now yeah. my method is I don't, I'm going to charge extra <laughs> for yeah. a shorter shoot because it's still the same amount of effort for me to get to that shoot. Yep. You know, for a two hour shoot, if it's a three hour, four hour shoot, it's mostly the same amount of effort. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. Because, and honestly, once you're there and you're already kind of in that groove, it's so much more creatively, like it blossoms, I find. Yeah. Over the time. But yeah, if you're going to take transit or something an hour there and an hour back, why not make more money while you're there rather than exactly. off to another photo shoot? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I do the same. I offer like lessened rates as the day progresses. Like the more hours I'm booked for, the bigger the discount. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't want to pay my rate today, 
then they don't have to work with me. I don't care that much. I still make Patreon and OnlyFans income. So like I can just take self-portraits and sell those and have 100% rights to, to sell them as much as I want multiple times on various platforms. And that's kind of my, my method now. I'm like, well, you could hire me for like two hours for like a rate, or I could just do my own thing and still yeah. make income off of my own efforts. Yeah, exactly. And being in full control of your images, that's, that's such a, a great thing to have. Having that like know-how behind the camera and editing and especially with you, like I said, with your SEO and everything, like you can do bomb things with those images that most photographers have no idea how to do. So being able to produce at home is pretty nice. It is. Yeah. If you can market your stuff, it it does work. It is a lot of work though. It's a lot of work. And I like the human to human connection most of the time at photo shoots. So I I actually tend to not do my own self-portrait work. I just can't, I can't be bothered. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very impressed with you and and the other models who are doing both for sure. Thank you. Yeah, it's enjoyable to share. Yeah. All right, Dane, I think we've gone about the length that I usually do these podcasts. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we go? Oh, I don't think so. Right on. I think so. I'll make sure to share your links on the, the show notes for everybody. That would be amazing. I will actually, there is one thing. Yes. I would love just to encourage any other models who are like any of us OGs, anyone who's listening to these, I would encourage to consider starting like a safety course in their own town for newer models, something in person to help those who are kind of coming up in the post COVID era where they don't really have a lot of education resources that are run by models. Because I know there's a ton of photographers out there being like, I'll teach you how to be a model, mm-hmm. but they don't know what they're talking about. They yeah. haven't lived through the, like the actual experience of being a model and the yes. toil that we have. So I would love to see more models kind of putting on events to teach the newer generation that's coming up behind us how to do it safely. True that. And that inspires me to, to I would love to see again. that. <laughs> that would be amazing because you have just a wealth of information to share. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that is a fantastic suggestion. Thank you for including that. Awesome. All right, Dane. Well, we've had a really great podcast. I think that we covered so much in this period of time. We had a jam-packed episode. Very, very little fluff. It was a a couple sneezes, but other than that, like, you know, 100% (laughs) pure gold. I'm so glad. (laughs) Yeah, I had a lot of fun, really. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you enjoy being in San Francisco and hopefully I'll plan to come out there and see you sometime. Oh, that would be so wonderful. And either way, I just can't wait to spend more time with you. Thanks. Yeah, we'll plan something for sure. Yes, that would be great. (laughs) All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye.